campers welcome to museum camp i'm megan i'm madison hello and thank you for joining us for your weekly dose of weird history read to you verbatim from the internet that's right this is immature history and i'm gonna start us off this is your captain speaking (laughs) this is your captain Um, I've got an Atlas Obscura article and, um, it's called you're missing Shakespeare's best, most sophisticated boner jokes. Oh, we love (laughs) to see it. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. It's no secret to anyone who's taken freshman English that William Shakespeare loved puns. Uh, Helga Cockeritz's classic 1953 book, Shakespeare's Pronunciation, lists many dozens of them from pasture or pastor to fleece and fleets. Whether these puns are an example of the bard's brilliant wit or a superficial distraction from it depends on which critic you talk to. Samuel Johnson, the author of the most authoritative English dictionary before the OED, was definitely in the latter group. Punning, quote, has some malignant power over Shakespeare's mind, Johnson wrote in a preface to the to an edition of Shakespeare's collected works in 1765. Uh, however you feel about Shakespeare's puns, though, one thing's clear. Most readers have missed a lot of them. <laughs> you love, love a pun that no one gets. Yeah. I yeah. just feel like really... Uh, Elizabethan English what what was going on there yeah yeah why did it have to be the way that it was (laughs) uh English English pronunciation has changed a great deal since Shakespeare wrote his plays with the result that many words uh that were homophones then no longer sound that way now (laughs) for instance can you spot the pun in these lines from Taming of the Shrew quote Lady, I hope this reason stands for my excuse. Beggar, I, it stands so that I may hardly tarry so long. No, that's understandable. Contemporary pronunciation is in your way. In Elizabethan times, the EA in reason would have been pronounced like the AI in raising, yielding a dirty joke. The beggar is joking that he can't tarry because he has a boner or a raising to attend to. <laughs> oh, this whole time I thought the joke was going to be around raisins. <laughs> I was like, this is not funny. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unless you have a grape fetish. <laughs> Love a raisin pun. <laughs> oh, I'm just a product of my raisin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the boner joke is better. That was that's well done. Yeah. Uh, there's more to this than dick jokes, though. Shakespeare's career took place on the tail end of the linguistic cataclysm known as the Great Vowel Shift, which transformed the pronunciation of the five long vowels of Middle English into the modern English vowels we're familiar with today. For instance, bite in 1350 would have been pronounced like beat mate like met and out like oot um what were they doing even, 
what were they doing? Just a bunch of drunk Canadians <laughs> is what it sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, even though the great vowel shift was largely complete by 1600 or so, vowel pronunciation in Shakespeare's time was still very much in flux. Samuel Johnson wouldn't write his comprehensive English dictionary until 150 years later. In Elizabethan London, words still had no standard spellings, so they didn't have standard pronunciations either. And we let these people write our dictionary? We let these people be the authoritative voice in the language that we're speaking. Oh my God. Uh, Get it together. Uh, What's more, a flood of migrants from the countryside had brought with them their own idiosyncratic regional pronunciations. Sure. Classic. In uh, in his 2010 book, Shakespeare in Language, Professor Jonathan Hope argued that Elizabethans wouldn't have acknowledged these regionalisms as accents. They were just part of the eclectic hodgepodge that was the English language at the time. Uh, That meant that performers at the Globe could pick and choose whatever regional pronunciations they felt worked best for them uh, or worked best for a scene, sometimes mixing and matching them within a single sentence. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Just absolutely. My worst nightmare. I would be I'd be so mad a hundred percent of the time. And like, especially for the English, like who are all about rules and order and yeah, tradition you know. and yeah. <sighs> um, for instance, here's a dirty pun on female fertility from Much Ado About Nothing. It plays off of bairn, a borrowed Scottish word for child, which at the time could have been pronounced as a homophone for barn. <laughs> It might also help to know that stables, as in firm, erect, is yet another boner reference. So here we go. Oh my God. Um, Beatrice says, ye light a love with your heels. Then if your husband have stables enough, you'll look he shall lack no bairns. I mean. How did Shakespeare get so popular? Because I feel like this, you know, I learned this in an English class where you have a really uptight, you know, teacher who's talking about the importance of, you know, iambic pentameter or something. And like, there's just a bunch of dick jokes. It just, it doesn't seem to compute. It's a lot of dick jokes. I think the thing is, is like Netflix didn't exist um, (laughs) at that time. (laughs) No one was listening to podcasts, reading books even Without so many... Yeah, without so many irons in the fire, like there's really only a couple irons to choose from. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to go with the one with dick jokes. You're going to laugh at your, yeah, you're left with just some some dick joke plays. Yeah. Some other dirty homophones you might have missed due to the fluidity of the Elizabethan vowels, according to Kokoritz in Shakespeare's pronunciation, uh, neck and nick, a slang, a slang term for vagina. Oh my God. Don't like that. Don't like that either. Uh, grace and grease, which is a great pair for punning about the womanly virtues of a greasy, of greasy kitchen maids and pistol and pizzle or bull's penis. Oh, sure. <laughs> Thank God we have a specific word for that. 
Yeah, we have to have a word for that. Um, it's not necessarily that all of these would always have been pronounced as homophones, just that in Shakespeare's time, they could be pronounced that way. For the bard, that was usually enough. But this all raises the question, why did Shakespeare load his work with so many puns? More, it turns out, than we even knew, when puns are inherently kind of silly. Hope makes an interesting argument that it wasn't just homophones that came across differently in Elizabethan times. The whole concept of a pun was different too. Without standardized spelling or pronunciation, the meaning of any given sentence was a lot more ambiguous to an Elizabethan listener than it is for us today. A pun then was less about superficial wordplay and more about sorting out nuances and meaning, uh, active processes of disambiguation in Hope's words. For Shakespeare then, puns would have seemed more like their sophisticated cousins, the metaphor and the simile. Mm, <laughs> sophisticated A cousins. real family tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'd rather hang out with a pun than a metaphor. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And don't even get me started on similes. Uh, yeah. Just be metaphors or be nothing. Yeah. <laughs> You're leaning into it too much, Simile. Yeah. Just kind of back off. We can put it together. Subtlety. We can connect the dots. We yeah. get it. <laughs> uh, so maybe Samuel Johnson was wrong to cast aspersions on the humble pun. If you think like an Elizabethan, wordplay isn't a distraction from the nuances of Shakespeare's verse. It's an enhancement. One that makes his plays both dirtier and more sophisticated than our modern minds could know. Great. There you go. There are the boner puns for you. There are the boners. <laughs> boners everywhere. Yeah. Speaking of um, Britain and boners. Uh-oh. Um, so I have like the Wikipedia widget on my phone that shows me like this day in history. And oh, yeah. campers, I know you're going to be hearing this in you know a few days later this week, but we're recording this on Sunday, July 24th. So that this day in history today is that three years ago today, Boris Johnson was elected <laughs> as prime minister. Yeah, um, what a day. What a day. And so I saw that and I was like, surely there's some good fodder here for immature history. Oh, yeah. And truly, if his Wikipedia page weren't so long and outrageous, I would have just read that because this guy. It's too much. I mean, he's honestly, had quite a career. He's had quite a career. And honestly, it's comforting to know that we're not the only ones over here in these United States with just batshit politicians at the helm. <laughs> it makes one feel a little bit better. It does. You know? It does. It's comforting. Misery loves company. It does. Um, so this is an article on Atlas Obscura, and it's very short, but I think it it does what it needs to. Um, okay. And keep in mind, this is from May 19th, 2016. So Boris Johnson got elected in 2019, I believe. Yeah. Because that would be three years ago. That's uh-huh. 2022. Okay. Um, so he was three years out from being elected. Um, Mm -hmm. And I learned, I didn't know much about Boris Johnson or any sort of politics over anywhere else or even here, honestly. Um, So I learned a lot about him and that he used to be the mayor of London. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> so this headline on this Atlas Obscure article says, former London mayor wins poetry contest with goat sex limerick. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how is this sure. real? Oh, God. Okay. Um, <laughs> so stupid. Uh, and this was written by Eric Schilling. Again, May 2016. Okay. Boris Johnson, until last year, the mayor of London, one of the largest cities in the world, in case you hadn't heard of it, yeah. has a lot of opinions. And he's known for a good quote. Quote, I've slept with far fewer than a thousand women, he said once, for example. Okay. <laughs> I feel like there would be um, a good game show would be who said it, Donald Trump or Boris Johnson. <laughs> far fewer than a thousand. Yeah. It's just like, like a weird over under game. I just, <laughs> I feel like a thousand is way out there. <laughs> it's really, yeah. So it's like saying that you've slept with far fewer than that isn't really that meaningful for us. Bojo. <laughs> yeah. um, another quote. <laughs> My chances of being prime minister are about as good as the chances of finding Elvis on Mars or my being reincarnated as an olive. He has also said of the prospects of him becoming prime minister. Oh boy. We love someone in touch with reality. <laughs> Just or, slamming reincarnation. We love to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or this, which I really agree with him on. My policy on cake is pro-having it and pro-eating it. Okay, wow. <laughs> right there with well, him. And I say, let them eat cake. Let them eat cake. <laughs> um, a former college debater with unruly hair and some unruly opinions including a fervent belief in free speech. It was still when you have to like really talk about how much you love free speech. It's kind I of a red it. flag. It's kind of yeah. a red flag that like, maybe you just have some like bad takes or that maybe you're just a fucking idiot. Well, it is like, like every, <laughs> because like smart people, I feel like, and like people have valuable things to say, like they're not, they just like, don't, they're just like, okay, yes, thank you. I have free speech. I will say this thing. But like trying to champion free speech as a way to justify your bad takes. Come on. That and I love anytime like, um, you know, let's just be real here. A conservative American is like, you know, America is so great because of free speech. And it's like every country (laughs) has free speech. Yeah, it's not that special. Like 150 out of the 180 countries. Yeah, it's like when you know someone has like a deadbeat husband or boyfriend or something. They're like, yeah, but I love his brown hair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, you can find. Guess you what, can... dude? That is the most common hair the color. The most so... common. You'll be good. Yeah. Do not cling to that. Okay. Anyway. Um. <laughs> so okay, including a firm belief in free speech, it was still perhaps hard to imagine that he might one day write a poem about the Turkish president having sex with a goat <laughs> oh no <laughs> this is just this I has to be a prank it. it's so funny 
It came as more of a surprise that said poem actually won a poetry contest. Sure. Which one? (laughs) Specifically, the Spectators, which I forgot to look up. I'm assuming that's like a magazine or something. Uh, the Spectator's Offensive Poetry Contest. There it is. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, here's the poem. I don't know if that's a flex. I, I don't, don't know if it's a flex if you're I winning don't think so. an offensive poetry contest. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, here's the poem in full. And another thing, so I think speaking of pronunciation, I think some of the you know rhythm of this poem is lost with American tra- or with American pronunciation. Um, but I'm obviously not going to do anything about that. Yeah. Um, there was a young fellow from Ankara who was a terrific wankerer mm-hmm. till he sowed his wild oats with the help of a goat, but he didn't even stop to thank her. I hate that. <laughs> um, how did we get to this point? Yeah. <laughs> Spectator launched the competition, and this is actually pretty funny, launched the competition after a German comedian made a bestiality joke about the Turkish president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, which upset Erdogan, the president, who then urged German authorities to prosecute the comedian. So basically, this German comedian made a joke about this Turkish president, and the president is like, hey, can you please, you know, handle your child? Like... (laughs) He's like getting so upset oh, about it. And so, God. so the spectator did this to like support the comedian and be like, this Turkish president is being a psychopath, yeah. um, which I love <laughs> like just the pettiest like geopolitical conflict of all time. <laughs> we love, yeah, we love to see that. Um, so Johnson offered the limerick in solidarity with the comedian, but is it prize worthy? We'll let the public decide. Mm. <laughs> it's so funny. It's just so upsetting. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Um, Very good. And so that was one of the many weird things that Boris Johnson has done. His goat sex limerick. Wow. You're we welcome. really did kind of have a theme today, huh? Yeah, we always do. <laughs> just... It wordplay happens. and the UK. owners in the UK <laughs> um campers thank you uh we're sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> and um we love you and we'll see you next time we'll see you then goodbye bye